Amen. I'm glad, I'm glad the Word of God says He's able to meet our needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only meet Him, but exceed Him. I'm happy for that. Emily, it's good to have you and Khalil. Is that close? Is that right? So I always get excited when I hear about somebody getting saved. Amen. Thank you. Matter of fact, I was excited when I heard I got saved. Amen. I woke up morning blind and I went to bed. I could see. I was lost and, and, and went to bed saved. Went to law and went, got up that morning on my way to hell. And I'm like, Mark, I went to bed on my way to heaven. That's a pretty good day for me. Thank God. Thank God. You can just open your Bible anywhere tonight. It's all good. Amen. I just, you just pick a place and open it and we'll... We'll, we'll just study because I really don't know where, I really don't know where to anchor this, this to. Um, I've got some good questions. didn't get all that many, but like I told some people around the congregation, I got enough to keep us busy for the next six months on, three months on one question. And I'm sure this will develop in others, but here's where I'm going to start tonight. I know you all don't need or expect an apology, but honestly, I went home fought with the enemy for putting the mother load on y'all Sunday night. I told y'all at the beginning of the message, did I not, that this is going to be a lot. Y'all remember making that statement that was sort of a disclaimer and apology all at the same time, but I didn't know what to do with myself. I looked up the clock about 10 after 7, and I thought, well, I'm not preaching this coming Sunday. It's you Sunday. What am I going to do? So I used good wisdom to ask all you wise people, is it okay to go on? And y'all said, okay. So I went on a little bit longer, looked up, it was about 20 after, and uh, I thought, man, I'm still not quite dumb, and I'm getting down to the main four points of the message, you know, to give you strength and hope and tell you how to get through this. I said, y'all sure you can take a few more minutes? And you said, yes. So I'm glad that you did, but I still give you a lot, a lot, a lot of information. So what we're going to try to do now is back up and digest a little bit of it, take it a little bit slower. I do get excited. It was funny when I went out and stood where I do, Josh came out and he said, now, said, what do, y'all, what do you want me to entitle part two and three tonight? The same thing. <laughs> well, it was an iron five minutes long, but somebody was so kind and said it seemed like it passed just in a few minutes time. So, so I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that. Well, like I say, pardon me? Well, it's... Uh, it didn't seem like that long to me, but it, it never does where, where I am. i tell you where I, I want us to start then. Let's go to the book of the Revelation, book of the Revelation, not shuns. Revelation chapter, chapter 4, and I'm going to maybe, I, here's what I want to do when I help. I mean, there's so much, I, I'm willing to talk about anything. I, I could spend 15 minutes on about anything when it comes to prophecy without already taking a deep breath. It's not that I'm that good at it. I just love it. I've studied a lot of it, and I'd like to know more. And, and I think the messages the Lord have given me the last couple of weeks are very timely. I, I look, folks, I've been around a, a few years. I'm 70 years old. I've been in the ministry 46. Probably, probably the, the number one message I've preached over the years, I'm talking about repetitively, is the second coming of Christ and whatever that means and things that are connected with it. I'm going to tell you the truth. There's just something different about this hour that we're living in and what's going on with Israel. I mean, it's always been intriguing and always been interesting. I mean, 
Remember what I told you Sunday? Ezekiel 5.5. 5. Now, I know you remember some of it, not all of it. I don't remember everything I said. Ezekiel 5.5, 5, God tells uh, the nation of Israel through Ezekiel that I have set you in the midst of all the countries round about. Now, he's not talking about just those bordering countries. He's talking about all the countries of the nation worldwide. I told you Sunday that Israel is the center of the earth. It is the center of the universe, and it's because God chose to put his name there, Second Chronicles 6.6. 6. You can turn to it sometime, take your note and read that. And it was Jerusalem that God decided that from that place, he was going to make his name go forth into all the world. If you remember, I, I told you, and, and this was... I, I didn't read this. God gave it to me. In the days of Solomon, he brought the world to Jerusalem. In the days of the church, Jesus died there, was buried and resurrected. He sent the apostles out to the world. The message has gone there, either brought them to or sent the message out from that. So that city in the midst of the world is what they refer to as the navel. Everybody in here see the navel orange? You know, everybody's got a navel. It's either in or out. Somebody said, somebody said, did Adam have one? I said, well, sure. They said, how did you know that? He didn't have a mother. I said, well, after God made him, he got happy and pushed him in the belly and said, he, he, and he got an any. Now, I know that's silly. I have no idea. Why would somebody ask me if, if he had a navel? So I thought if he could ask, I could answer. So anyway, it, it's the center spot. It's the most holy place on the footstool of Almighty God. And the, the, the city of Jerusalem, according to the prophecy of Zechariah, and, and if you don't read the whole 14, I believe it is, chapter of Zechariah, read chapter 10 and following, and you'll get a ton of it. You'll get more information you know what, what to do with. It's just great prophetic, great prophetic word. And uh, in the end... Uh, the Bible says that Jerusalem is going to be like a troublesome stone to all the nations, including America. Okay? Including America. So what's got us here is two things. Number one, the war that started by Hamas on October the 7th. They invaded Israel. It's the worst uh, group of casualties that Israel's had since Holocaust. Am I right? Even on the Yom Kippur War that was fought 50 years ago in October, okay, it wasn't nearly as devastating. But Hamas, who had been in Iran, who had been trained by the Iranians just week before, how many of y'all knew that? Okay, that's news. That is news. They infiltrated, by the help of somebody, the borders of Israel. Somebody had enough knowledge to tell them how to get through that real good security fence that they got around Gaza. And they were able to do that. They went in, as you all know, neighboring towns and literally in a terroristic way slew, uh, what was it totally now, 1,400? Is that what it is, 1,400? And you know, when, when the news speaks of Israel, they just say they've, they've had 1,400 casualties. But when they switch to Gaza, they say they've had like 48 36 or something like that, women and children casualties. Makes me gag. Y'all hear me? Makes me gag. So, so we're living in exciting times. So after this, not many days, B.B. Netanyahu made a statement. I mentioned this several times Sunday morning. He said, we're going to change the face of the Middle East. My ears went up. I know what I preached 
two Sundays ago, and as God was dealing with me through the week, that statement kept going and went back to Psalms, revisited Psalm uh, 83. We'll get to that in just in just a minute, the Lord willing. If not, in just a minute, we'll get to it eventually. We'll leave Romans for a little while, if that's okay for everybody, and we'll just look at some current events. And that war, when we get to uh, Psalm 90 or 83, we'll, we'll learn some particulars, how kind of to rightly divide the Word of God, to compare Psalm 83 with, say, Ezekiel uh, 38, which lists Arab countries and also the country of Russia, and learn you know, how to identify particular things to know how to differentiate. So, is this the war that will precede um, uh, the, the, the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39? Listen to me, I don't know, but it could be. It could be. And with that in mind, I'm telling you, if that war, if this war is that war that Psalm 83 speaks about, listen, brother, sister, we're close and going home. And I believe that anyway. I believe that on my heart. But I, I want to calm us just a little bit before we go anywhere. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, and listen to what he said, the first four words, after this I looked. Now, after what? Somebody tell us what those, that phrase, after this, uh, is referring to. Well, that's when he does, but what's it after? The church age. That's, that was real tough for us to figure out, wasn't it, Tyke? I mean, some things I don't need any help figuring out. After this is that period of time which is known as, as Tyke said, the church age or the dispensation of grace. Both of those are synonymous terms. It is the day and the hour that we live in. Those seven letters that were addressed to seven actual churches of Asia Minor that began with the church of Ephesus that ends with the church of the Laodiceans, not the church at Laodicea, but the church of the Laodiceans, and I'll explain that phrase in just a moment. It covers the, it covers the entire church age from Pentecost to the Laodicean church, and the Laodicean church will be the church still on planet earth that will go on in to the tribulation period after the church is raptured. Not trying to confuse you, I'll explain that in just a little bit, but I'll give you my riddle. There is a church in the church that is the church. See, the word church, it, it, it's, it, there's another word for it called Christendom. And Christendom, I don't like the word. There's some words like Christendom and, and uh, um, uh, clergy and a few other words I just don't like. But I understand their meaning and understand their usage. But Christendom is a big word that takes in everything, whether it's true or not, and not everything is true, that calls itself Christian under that umbrella. So that's why I created a little riddle. There is a church, the blood-washed, redeemed, true church, whose names are in the Lamb's book of life, who are sealed by the Spirit, whose sins are under the blood. There is a church within the church, that church that has uh, fallen under the umbrella of Christendom, that is the church. There'll be a lot of people, there'll be a lot of churches undisturbed the first Sunday after the rapture. They'll, be, they'll, 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 they'll go on just like it hadn't happened. They'll be disturbed, but some of them won't have sense enough to be why, John? Do you know that? 
They'll not get the reason. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of people that don't know, say, the timeline. And that's why I thought that I might, might start really, really quickly. I don't have a handout. I'm telling you, I've never seen busier times. Never seen such a spiritual war against God's people as we're experiencing now. But I got news for you. We're short timers here. I'm telling you, I, I still look. I know I'm 70. I could die of natural causes tomorrow. Could, could get hit by an airplane tomorrow. I have no idea. But I, I still feel like I'm part of the rapture generation. I believe that. So here's what I'm going to do. Give it a little timeline. After this is a reference back to chapter 2 and 3, which deals with the seven, the, the seven churches of Asia, which represents or speaks of the seven different phases or stages of the church age. I don't have time to explain it, but those churches have characteristics that fit all of those seven age, ages or phases up until this last um, Laodicean church age. We have overlaps in those churches. Some of the characteristics lap over with the other one. Just like now, we are in, I believe without a doubt, the phase of the church age of the, of the Laodiceans. But the Philadelphia church is also still a part of it too. And if you read those two letters, it won't take you five minutes to do, you'll see the difference in characteristics of those church. For instance, the Philadelphia church had a door open to it that no man can shut. And uh, he said, because you have kept my word, this is one of the verses I'm going to get to real quick. It's chapter 3, verse 10, I believe. I'll keep you in the hour of temptation. Keep you from Maybe it says from the air temptation, come to think about it. So the church of the Laodicean, what makes this church age so special? We're seeing it all. How many of y'all heard about the prosperity gospel preachers? You heard me and Josh preach about them time and time again. They're here. We're living in the last days, which is a day of deceit. Jesus said three, maybe four times, Matthew 24, in his great sermon on the mount. He said, be not deceived. Let no man deceive you. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, 14, Paul said in these last days of perilous times, there will be deceivers deceiving. They'll be deceived, but they'll be deceiving themselves. So deception is a great mark of our day. And we're living in the day when, listen now, verse 20 of chapter 3 of the book of the Revelation, which finishes up the letter to the church of the Laodiceans, we find Jesus on the outside knocking on the door. The outside of what? The outside of the church that he purchased with his blood, empowered by his spirit, and entrusted with his word. That Laodicean church, anybody remember the definition I've given you? And if you don't, that's okay. You ought to be embarrassed, but I'm not going to embarrass you. I say that tongue-in-cheek. Do you all remember what the definition of the Laodiceans mean? Or church ruled by the people. Either way, the church of the people's rule or church ruled by the people. People like Joel Osteen that stand and preach, and as I've told you before, no pastor ought to smile all the time. And that's the truth, folks. Um, you, you know all he does? He talks about the you, the good in you. He doesn't talk about Christ. He doesn't talk about building Christ up in them. See, our, our, when we worked on our bylaws and constitution, we created a church mission statement. Did we not, Steve? You, you board members remember that? And we came up with bring men to Christ and build Christ in men. That's what we're all about here. 
It's not about me. It's not about you. I'm not here to make you feel good in your self-esteem. But all of these other prosperity gospel churches, all of these, um, uh, what, what are those? Uh, they're, they're, they're speakers. They get a lot of money. They go to different places and encourage people. What kind of, what kind of motivational speakers? That's what a lot of these preachers are. They use a lot of psychology, and I know that. I, I, I studied a lot of hours of psychology to get my counseling degree. And, and you, 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 can, you can touch people with those kind of things. And they're in churches that are not Christ-centered. They don't warn the people of hell. They don't tell them about sin. They don't even encourage them that I ever see when I watch them uh, to get saved. But it's all about bringing the best. It's already in you. We just got to get it out, you know? Here at Roxalana, we tell people they're sinners headed to hell if they don't get saved. That's the message of the word of Almighty God. So here's the good news I want to give you. We're going out before all of this stuff happens. You say, now wait just a minute, preacher. They're in a war over there. They are. They are, but let's see what the word of God says. After this, after the end of the church age, before chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. Somebody tell the church what happens in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. The seals are open, which means the tribulation period of seven years prophesied by Daniel 9, 26, 27 is going to begin. Jesus said those seven years, he said there has never been such a time like that time before or after. There never was or never ever shall be. It is the time Jesus called as the great tribulation. We refer to it as a time when the church is gone as all hell breaking loose because that's what will happen. Population of that time will reduce 50%. There will be war after war after war. There, there is judgment there, there, there is the seven sealed judgments. The seven sealed judgments opens up to the first trumpet judgment. The seventh trumpet judgment opens up for the first vile judgment. And then, friend, there's going to be a great battle that's not going to be a battle called Armageddon and then a millennial reign. And I know that's a lot of stuff, especially if you're young like Emily. But I'll tell you what, if you keep listening, if you keep reading, you'll be surprised how much the Lord will get you, so, or, or give you. Let's go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to look at, that, at verse 10, get a couple out of 1 Thessalonians, a couple out of, out of, um, of uh, 2 Thessalonians, and I hope, hope this brings you comfort. Um, we'll be, will we be here when that war that sets up the war of Ezekiel 38 and 39? That's very possible. I mean, it's obvious if this war, and I'm not saying it is, it's just interesting. If you remember the first Sunday I preached on that, I said I thought that war written about in Psalm 83, and we'll go there in just a minute. I have to. See, time just goes so fast. Um, it, I said it was historical. I thought it was fought with David and Solomon in their days. Because all the countries listened there touched the border of Israel. Some of those countries listed in Psalm 83 are no longer countries. They're no longer around. So that war may happen before the church goes. When Ezekiel 38, 39 war starts, I'm not sure, but I'd like to think, and this is what I want to teach you, 
I believe it will start after the church is gone. After the church is gone. And I'll give you my rationale for that. Look at verse 10 of chapter 1 of the book of 1 Thessalonians. And this ought to make you want to shout, friend. It, 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 really, it really ought to wake, make you want to shout. Let me begin in verse 9. And he's talking about some people that have been saved. He said, for thee, they them shall show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols and to serve the, uh, the living and true God. And watch this in verse 10. After you get saved, your job is this, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, and which delivered us, say it with me, from wrath to come. How many of you happy to hear that say amen? I thank God. Now, let me tell you what I am and what most of you are without even knowing it because I'm your pastor. Two things. You are a pre-tribulation rapturous. Well, that's big words, isn't it? Pre meaning before. Tribulation meaning before or pre-tribulation rapturous meaning we're going to be caught out of here. Time to shout again. Before it happens, Jesus is going to come like he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In the air, with the shout, the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And all this stuff we're going to be studying about from that point on is going to happen on planet Earth. We're going to what's known as the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going, uh, we're going to the launder. We've been, everybody in here has been saved, say amen. You've been clothed with righteousness, but you've got a garment on every now and then. It gets spots and wrinkles on it. Well, it won't do for a bride to have a spotted or wrinkled dress. You ladies say amen right there. Well, neither is God's son's bride going to have any spot and wrinkle Colossians, I think, tells us that that's going to get taken out, and it's going to get taken out at the judgment seat of Christ. That place is not to see whether we're saved. Everybody goes there is saved. It's going to decide there how we'll serve in the millennium. That's as simple as I can say it. So, um, Paul tells us some good stuff. Turn over to chapter 5 and look at this, what he says. Now, I want you all to remember verse 1 of this chapter because I'm going to say eventually some things about this through this study. Uh, y'all know y'all got us in a hole. I, I can't see no way out of it right now till the Lord comes. We'll, we'll study this until you get tired on it. But he said of the times and the seasons, you have no need that I write unto you for yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as the thief in the night. When Jesus comes... For his church, he'll be like, you can typify him as, a thief coming uh, to an unexpected home to take the jewels. Now, he's not coming as a thief. He purchased the church with his blood. Everybody understands that? Say amen. But what the writer's trying to say is he'll do it so quickly and so subtly, the world will never know. They'll never hear him, never see him. The church is looking for him. The church 
or, or the, the unsaved world is asleep. They're living in darkness. But we're not of the dark of the night. We're of the day. If you read on in there, so we're going. But look, I just began that. Look, I don't know the day and the hour that Jesus is coming. Everybody heard me say that. Say amen. But I got a good idea the season he's coming in. And I'll get to it eventually. Every time, every time the Feast of the Trumpets comes up, which is Rosh Hashanah, I get so excited I cannot stand it. Two trumpets blow at that, at that feast. And I believe one of them will call the church out and call Israel together. Now, you can disagree, but wait till I give you my rationale for saying that. He didn't say I wouldn't know the season. Paul said, you don't have any need for me to tell you about the season because I taught you about it. Paul taught them eschatology, which is end-time prophetic truth. So he said, you have no need that I write unto you. Y'all still looking like I'm lying to you. Concerning the season, or else you're totally intrigued. But keep that in your heart and in your mind. Paul done told him. Nobody knows the day and the hour. Everybody say amen if you heard me. Do y'all know what on, on, the, on, the, on the Feast of the Trumpets, do y'all know they put two days together and make one long day? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that? And beside this, do y'all know that any day and every day on planet Earth, people, some people are still in yesterday while some are in today and others have already hit tomorrow. How many of y'all know that? So you see why the Bible says sometimes what it does? We can't predict the day and the hour, but I'm telling you, we ought to, we ought to be willing or able to know the signs of the time. Chapter 5, going on down. Um, pick it up in verse 6. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken, drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, put it on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Get ready, somebody, to shout, For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. We're going out of here before all of that stuff comes. We are pre-tribulation rapturous, meaning that we believe according to the Word of God we'll be gone before the onset of all of this judgment that's going to fall upon a Christ-rejecting world. That's good right there. That's worth coming to church for tonight. Now you say, I already knew that. You know what I found out about already knowing that stuff? It's always good to hear it repeated again. You hear me? Never, never, never gets old. Now, let me tell you one other thing. We got to go. I'm not going to Psalms 83 as bad as I want to. The reason we understand truth in this Word of God the way we do, your pastors teach you the Bible in a literally, literal interpretation uh, respect. Meaning, we take the Word of God literally. Everybody understand that? Say amen. The Bible will tell us where it's talking about signs and symbols or pictures or types. All you got to do is look for two words. Anybody know what they are? As and like. 
And if you get in chapter 12 of the book of the Revelation and you see about a woman who is dressed with the stars on her head and the sun and the moon's under her feet and then you see a red dragon coming that's got a long tail well, the Bible's going to tell you who he is but the Bible always explains itself. This book is the best commentator on this book that there is. So... I don't know. That's where I felt led to begin with. We don't have anything to worry about. It's an exciting time. I don't want anybody to be lost. Nobody ought to be in light of what Christ did at Calvary. And yet multitudes are going to be because they choose not to trust Christ as their Savior. If you all have questions, send them to me by text, email, call and leave me a message or call and give me time to write them down and we'll get to them eventually. Next week is what I'll try to go may not be here next week may try to go get a sugar for my for my 51 year wife we've been, I've been kissing her longer than 51 by the way uh, but but um, we'll, we'll pick it back up and by the grace of God we'll start in Psalm 50 Psalm 83 and look at what's going on presently see how it may fit and see what will come after that and begin begin to look at those wars how many of y'all know that there are two battles of Gog and Magog? Okay, do y'all know how to differentiate between them? We can learn things like that. We can learn whatever you all want. Whatever hooks you, whatever grasps you, whatever enters you, that's what I want to try to provide. And I don't know it all. If you ask a question and I don't know, I'll tell you. But it'll put me to digging and reading. And I love doing that. So be glad to come tonight and say amen, Greg. Miss Blanche, 83rd Psalm, 83rd Psalm. You can read that and go over and read Ezekiel 38 and 39 and see what follows it. And of course, we don't have any timeline on how long it will come after, but that war that I told you I thought Sunday week ago was just historical after reading and studying to this point I believe it not only is historical, I still believe it happened in David and uh, in, in Solomon's time. I believe that's why Asaph spoke about it and wrote about it. But I believe, as many scriptures do, they have a double reference. They have not only a historical um, uh, truth about them, but they also possess a prophetical truth. Follow me? So, anyway. Intriguing. Love the Word of God. Wake up, Jerry. If you need to pray, you want to pray, come and pray. Now look, I don't know your hearts, but if you're not saved when you come in this place, I beg of you, don't leave without being saved. It's a simple process. If thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've heard that Jesus is coming. Listen to me. It's never been more true than it is at this moment in time. And ready or not, he's coming. Let's stand.